Hello. It's fair to say it's been a pretty crazy couple of weeks in refereeing, especially here in England. Uh, I've been injured for the past, what, four weeks now? I tore my hamstring doing um, my fitness test. <laughs> Go me. Um, and so I've been, I've been out. I've not been able to referee. I've not been able to do anything, really, um, for the past four weeks. Um, and in this time, I've spent a lot of time on social media, um, offering my support to referees who, who reach out to me, um, which, of which there are many, many of you who have. Uh, and if you feel like you don't get the support from the, the usual channels that are open to you as a referee, whether you're based in England or further afield, um, the referee forum is here for you. Uh, it's a safe space. You can reach out, you'll get support, um, especially... Uh, if this this past couple of weeks referees have been shot and killed whilst refereeing referees have been a victim of actual bodily harm of sustained assaults that have left them with broken bones missing teeth um the this issue has really reached the mainstream media i've had media requests from local BBC radio, from national BBC radio, um, from newspapers. It's just been non-stop um, to talk about the issues around refereeing. I'm going to play you um, the, the interview I had uh, on Radio 5 Live a, a couple of days ago. And it all really stemmed, it, it, it hits the, the mainstream media because of the decision of the Merseyside Youth Football League to cancel all their fixtures this weekend. I think it's the right decision as well. I fully support them in taking this stance to stop the toxic environment that started to creep into that league through the abuse of referees, through the fighting um, of, of of parents and coaches and, and with that behaviour rubbing off on, on children and some, some, it's not all of them, but it's some and it's a significant enough amount that action needed to be taken. So fair play to everyone behind the Merseyside Youth Football League. The secretary of that league reached out to me. Um, we, we know each other. We've, we've, we chatted. I did um, some finals. Uh, I refereed some finals for that league last season. It was a lovely day. It was really, really well run. Um, but she messaged me and said that since making the decision to, um, to to cancel the fixtures this weekend, to to make this point, she's had anonymous phone calls um, where she's been threatened, where she's been abused. It just crosses a line. It's not about football or refereeing or anything like that anymore. It's just it's crossed a line. It's criminality, and. I can't believe that people are willing to act this way over a game. It's a game. It's not that serious. There's people, oh, but there's so much money involved. Oh, it's, it, you think it's not important. In the grand scheme of things, it's really not. As this country, as the United Kingdom goes into a cost of living crisis where people are genuinely going to choose between heating and eating this winter, it is just a game. We'll enjoy it for as long as we can, but I feel like it's dying. It's definitely not the game it was when I started refereeing 20 years ago. Uh, and it, it's not got better. And what, what are the answers? Well, 
I mean, I've got... I made some notes, right, to, to tell... To, to talk about in this little intro to the podcast. Body cams, I think, will help. I don't think they're the answer. People are, like, holding it up as if it was a golden chalice. Just let us wear body cams, it'll fix everything. It won't. It'll capture capture a lot of what goes on and maybe act as a deterrent. But truly, if it was a deterrent, the police who wear body cams, security who wear body cams, Weatherspoon's pub managers who wear body cams would immediately, would, the abuse that they receive would end because they were wearing a camera, but it doesn't. So I don't think this is the, the big fix um, that everyone is hoping it will be. And the FA really don't want to see it brought in anyway. I mean, IFAB gave the all clear for, for England to host trials of body cams this season. Nowhere's done it. Nowhere has done a body cam trial this season. And the latest from the FA is that you can expect to have body cams at the beginning of next season. I think it'll be too late. There's already about 4,000 referees short in England for, for the games that are needed. You can probably double that by the end of this season for the amount of assaults and abuse that's going on. I'm really disappointed as well that the Referees Association, who are the closest thing that we referees have to a union, aren't a bit more... I don't know. They should be standing up more for us. You know, you look in the news and you've got the the, um, the RMT, the Transport Union, the Royal College of Nurses, um, you know, all standing up through these unions for better working conditions. Well, if we as referees are self-employed and that's our union, we really need to be taking them to task and say, look, our working conditions are horrendous. We really have no guaranteed safety when we go out to referee. Things need to change and you need to be the ones that are standing up for us and, and bringing it to the forefront. Paul Field, if you get wind of this or if someone message it forwards it you whatever please uh, i mean i've got you these I'll, I'll call you myself come on chat to me tell me what you're doing this is the thing you might be doing loads you might behind the scenes loads might be going on but nobody knows nobody knows what if if you are in fact doing what we hope that you are doing so come on talk to us be a bit more public about it in 2012 a referee in Holland was murdered. Um, he he was actually he wasn't a referee. He was an assistant referee. He was volunteering to run the line at uh, his son's football match, and he was set upon and murdered by those youth footballers. In the weeks and the months that followed, Dutch football changed dramatically like fundamentally changed they said this is disgusting this cannot carry on and we as the football governing body of this nation will do what needs to be done to to ensure it doesn't happen again or to to minimize the risk of this ever happening again electronic id was brought in every player had an id card which if the player didn't bring to the football match if the referee didn't see it they did not play football how many times do you know that a player has been sent off the week before and the next week he still turns up or he plays for a different team with a different name? 
happens a lot more than you think. A lot more than you think. So that would stop that. Punishments would actually mean punishments. Referees, when they are victims of assault and abuse, need to stop in the eyes of the county FA and the football association. They need to be... At the moment, they're just seen as an impartial witness to things. But that does not reflect the reality of it at all. If you are a referee and you are abused or assaulted or anything like that, you are a victim. You are a victim of that uh, that circumstance and you need to be treated as such by the, the, by the powers that be. At the moment, referees get no closure whatsoever if they are abused and assaulted to the point where it goes to misconduct, it goes to a, a hearing... And, in, and and is dealt with that way. I've no idea if the kid that kicked me last year, the 13-year-old who kicked me, no idea what his punishment was. There was a team last year that withheld their payment from me for, I think, about three or four weeks. Uh, 21 days it was, 21 days, because I put it on social media, and then 21 hours later, I had been paid, because the league were embarrassed that I was up there saying... Been, been shortchanged here, not being paid. The secretary of that league I spoke with messaged on WhatsApp and I said, look, it's been three weeks, uh, I've not been paid, and are they even getting punished? And his words to me were, it's not the referee's place to know who gets punished and what the punishment is. Well, how do referees get closure? How do referees move on mentally I mean not getting closure for something like abuse, assault is not good for a a referee, for a person for a human being's mental health you talk to anyone who's gone through any sort of traumatic situation and the most important thing is the ability to have closure and to move on and that, that is not happening now it does not happen The duty of care lies ultimately, I think, with the Football Association nationally. If we as referees cannot have our safety guaranteed when we go out, well then the FA have failed in their duty of care. I'm looking to put responsibility less on referees who are dropping out by the hundreds and the thousands Because they fear that next week, the Dave Bradshaw of the week before, who got battered, who got his shoulder dislocated and his ribs cracked and teeth knocked out. I guarantee every grassroots referee goes out to their game thinking, is it going to be me this week? Is this week the week where my name is the one that goes into the newspaper as the referee that got battered? Or worse, the referee that got killed? Because we're not far off it. Sunday just gone, a Canadian referee shot whilst refereeing dead. I thank the powers that be that Britain doesn't have guns. Because I think if it did... 
a referee would have been killed already. There's no doubt in my mind about that. It's it's a really depressing time to be a referee. I thought last season was bad, but this one is worse. And there are some answers. There's a lot of conversation. But what we really need to see is action. I know I've got a, a decent platform. When I talk, I'm very fortunate that people listen. And I think they listen maybe because they... Yeah. You know when you go through the shit together and you have that commonality? Oh yeah, I've been through that too. But on a massive scale of every referee. I think we could all sit together in one huge room and just be like, right, I'm going to tell you a story and I guarantee it'll have happened to you. And it's about getting abused. It's about getting your physical, you know... If you're a bit chunky, you get called a fat cunt. If you've got no air, you get called a bald cunt. If you, if you don't give someone a throw-in, you get called a cheating cunt. I'm apologising for the language, but this podcast is for referees. And if you're a referee that hasn't been called a cunt in England, then I would love to know where you referee. <laughs> really would. Now, don't get me wrong, when I get called it, the red card comes out. But... It's a game. I just need to keep reminding everyone it's a game. It's a game. Why have we got toddler mentalities in adults? Why are people throwing tantrums to the to the states that they do? I don't know. I don't even I don't know this is the thing. I don't know what the source of it is. You know, you got to treat the source and not the symptoms. What's the source? Anyway, here is the interview I gave to Radio 5 Live a few days ago. Uh, and at the end of the interview, I'll, I'll end the episode. I would like future podcast episodes to, to involve more grassroots referees. Um, I know I've been quiet on, on doing podcasts, and it's because I've been so busy um, with with work, with real life and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's something I'd like to pick up again. So if you would like to talk to me um, on camera, over Zoom, whatever, uh, I'll find a way to, to make it work and to get your voice heard. Because I think what is beautiful, tragically beautiful about this situation is the amount of referees that have felt emboldened enough to go on to the radio or to write on social media, or to leave comments to newspapers saying, look, here's how it is. And I'm not happy with the way it is. And I don't feel afraid anymore that if I speak up, as I've spoken up for many years, I think it's probably kept me down, or it's definitely lost me opportunities. But I I just want a, a better life of referees <laughs> that's that's all i want um that's all i want anyway if, if you want to come on and chat if even if you don't want to get on the podcast if you just want to chat the, i'm sure people 
watching this who I've spoken to just over the phone or, or via messenger or however will drop a comment and say, you know what, Ant was there for me. If, if you need someone, <laughs> it's usually 24 hours a day, but if you, if you need someone, an, an ear to rant into, this one is fantastic. Give me a give me a call. My number's on the Facebook page. Drop me a DM, however you want to do it. Here's the uh, here's the interview, and uh, hopefully, the first of uh, many many more podcasts, but involving you grassroots referees, and 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 beyond. Now I want to play you a video that's been brought to my attention on social media. It's from 2018, and it's NCAA basketball coach Frank Martin giving his thoughts on parents who berate coaches and referees at their schools. Uh, children's sports matches. Just to give you some context, college basketball is a big deal in the US. And if you're an NCAA coach, you're a pretty big deal. The reason that we're going to play this now is because we're talking about the abuse that referees have been getting, which has led to the Liverpool Youth League cancelling all their games uh, on Saturday. Just listen to this. I know this. I'm the most animated coach that you've probably ever seen when my team's playing. I go watch my kids play. I don't say boo. I don't wave my arms. I don't try to coach my kids. With all due respect to most parents out there, I probably know more about basketball than most of them. Okay? But I sit in the stands and I don't say a word. There's two guys refereeing a fourth grade game on a Sunday morning. What can they possibly be making? 20 bucks a game? I used to do that. I used to make $12 for 10 and under. 15 for 15 and under and 17 or 18 bucks for high school age kids, okay? So on a Sunday morning, instead of being in church, those guys are out there trying to make a couple bucks to pay their bills, feed their families. Do you think they really care what fourth grade team wins? Do you really think that they like sat at home and said, I can't wait to officiate that game tomorrow because that one team, I can't wait to get that 10-year-old kid and embarrass them in front of people. Do you really think that's what they're doing? I don't try to tell my kid how they should play. You know what I told my two boys when they come asking me, why are you asking me, man? I didn't run your practice. Go talk to your coach. But uh, don't talk about your coach in front of me, man. Because if you are, then you're not playing basketball. You don't understand why you didn't play better? Go talk to your coach. I'm not your coach. I'm your dad. Somebody disrespects you, then I'm here. If you fail, good. Deal with it. I'm going to help you get up. But don't come talk to me about coaching. I do this for a living, man. I'm not going to criticize a guy that's trying to help you. And then the other part. So that's the officials. Do you think those coaches coaching fourth grade kids are making any money? So there's someone that's giving up their personal time on a Sunday for free to help other people's children. Yet we're going to have the adults in the stands yelling obscenities at the officials, criticizing every decision the coach makes, yelling at the kids like the kids. They're 10 years old, man. There you go. Frank Martin giving his thoughts on parents who berate coaches and referees at their children's sports matches. I promised you we were going to talk about this every day this week because it's got to the point now where I cannot see in the future why any young person would want to referee a football match. And it's creeping into rugby as well, I've been told as well, anecdotally. We're going to continue this conversation after the news. The Voice of the UK. This is BBC Radio 5 Live. I'm going to read you out a statement from the East Manchester Junior Football League. 
and it reads as this. Unfortunately, the warning was not heeded and a serious incident occurred at our under-7s Tameside Stadium venue on Sunday. And whilst I'm not prepared to go into the details in this statement, one under-7s team has been expelled from the East Manchester Junior Football League. An under-7s team has been expelled. From Manchester to Surrey, Redcar to North Wales, over the past 48 hours, since I started talking about the abuse of referees in grassroots football, we've been inundated with stories from people up and down the UK. Tony and Claire talked about it in Drive, Nikki Campbell talked about it. From a mum who said she didn't like the boy her son turned into when he played football, a referee who had to be escorted back to his car last Saturday because of concerns for his safety. Across our programmes here on Five Live, you've been getting in touch with your own experiences. So my question today is, where do we go from here? How do we fix this? Yesterday on the show, I spoke to Dave Bradshaw. He was knocked unconscious while refereeing an adult game in the South Lancashire Counties League earlier this month. He was left with cracked ribs, a dislocated shoulder, whiplash and concussion. Here's some of what he said to me. I can't understand why referees, we don't have body cams and they're saying the FA saying there's not the money to do it. Well, there is the money. Your Premier League, it's a billion pound sport. There's no, is that what the FA is saying? That's what we told the certain parts of the FA is saying that they could not fund it. But we've just been trying to get this body cam for a while. This should be done. I know there's no excuse whatsoever. It's actually a deterrent. And I fear, and I've said this a few times, I fear that one referee sooner or later could get killed. So, solutions, rather than us just recycling all the issues, because we're very clear now, football has an issue. Grassroots, children's football has an issue. So is the answer body cams, harsher penalties, or is the problem deeper and more difficult to resolve? If it's a societal one about anger, feelings of entitlement, and one Mm, maybe it's not a societal, because I've never seen this happen at cricket. I've been reliably informed it rarely, if ever, happens in rugby. It's a football problem, perhaps. Ant Canavan is the host of Referees, the final whistle podcast and director of the RefereeForum.com, described as a safe space for referees from around the world. Now, during Ant's 21-year career, he's refereed at football matches around the country and Europe. Ant, good afternoon. Hi, Nahal. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I wish it was in better circumstances. We're just a few weeks into the season, Ant, and already a youth football league in Man- uh, Liverpool, in fact, have decided to cancel all their games as a protest. What's going on here, Ant? It's been bubbling away for a long time. This isn't anything new. Um, the Merseyside Youth League that has suspended its fixtures over this weekend has done so because they don't want it to get as bad as some of the other leagues where the abuse and the assaults are rampant and they are rife. Um, So they are trying to nip it in the bud before this cancer grows and essentially kills that league. Now, I've been in touch with the secretary of that league um, and she said since making that decision to cancel those fixtures, she's received anonymous phone calls harassing her, threatening her, insulting her decision to, um, to, to stop these fixtures, uh, which further reinforces the fact that she was right to make that decision to, to cancel these fixtures because clearly there is a problem. And you say, is it societal? Is it football? Football for me and, and many people I speak to is a reflection of society. But I also don't completely buy that because, as you said, 
rugby has nowhere near problems of this magnitude and neither does cricket or any other sport that I can think of. Um, and, and it's not, as I said, it's not a new thing. Um, and it's not just this country. In, in 2012, in the Netherlands, there was a volunteer assistant referee called Richard Neuenhuizen, uh, and he was actually killed by five or six youth players from that team who, uh, over a sustained attack, um, uh, murdered him, essentially, on a football pitch. As a result of that, the Dutch football authorities over the next months following that brought in complete reform for their game. And referees I know who were active before and after that said that it was such a fundamental change uh, in football that it's now a pleasure for them to referee. And they, they despair at the thought of how it used to be before they brought in things like electronic registration for all players, ID cards where if you turned up on the day to, uh, to participate in playing football with no ID card, you would not play. Uh, and that stops some of the, the things that we find in this country where if you are punished, if you do assault someone or get sent off or you're abusive, you just play next week under an assumed name because there's no there's no easily public record, uh, sorry, easily findable public record where as a referee, you know who's banned and you know who's not. So you just oftentimes go into a game with no idea who's in front of you uh, and you do your best to, to referee that, that situation. Well, Peter Crouch was on the show and he felt that it was parents that were the issue. And we've heard so many reports of parents. And the reason we started having this conversation is because I had a go at a dad on Sunday who was shouting and swore at a teenage referee. And and I told him to stop doing it. Uh, and thankfully he did. Um, but so much of this criticism is pointed at parents. What do we uh, do just, with parents? Yeah, justifiably so. Um, I wish more parents were like you. So many of them turn a blind eye to the, the loud parent further down their own touchline who is abusive and who is insulting to a referee. And... I think a lot of clubs, you know, they've got their, their welfare and their, their safety officers and whatnot. But the, the clubs themselves need to, to police their own behavior a lot of the time. Um, because if it gets to the point where the referee has to intervene with that sort of behavior, it's already crossed the line. Uh, and often, you know, as referees, we're not given the training to de-escalate those sorts of situations. Our, our expertise and our training is inside the white lines. Uh, so to, to control uh, an irate parent is not something we've been taught how to do. So what are the solutions? We've had a text from Howard in West London. He's a youth coach. He says banning parents from the touchlines might be the answer, that most kids don't want their parents watching them anyway, let alone, in his words, if they are screaming psychopaths. But I have to say, you know, the parents that watch my son's team, Stockport County Colts, we sit there, and actually they're a really nice bunch of people. And... Um, and I, it brings me great joy to watch my son play football. The idea that I couldn't watch him playing football would actually would be heartbreaking for me. And that's understandable. It's it's punishing everybody for the acts of the, the minority. Um, I remember back in, in COVID when we were coming out of lockdown and youth football had no parents whatsoever. And that was a joy to referee, but it was also completely devoid of any atmosphere or or anything like that and as you say that the joy of watching your children play football that's something that you shouldn't be um denied access to uh especially because if you are denied 
the reason because it's someone who's been abusive. Well, you've not done anything to to deserve that, really. Now, I also refereed the Premier League academy football. So Liverpool, Everton, anywhere from under sevens to under 18s, they have parents come along and watch the games and they know if their behavior breaches that club's code of conduct in any way, shape or form, the child is withdrawn from that academy. So they don't get to play for Liverpool or Everton anymore. And I think maybe that, um, that framework needs to be taken from the academy system and put into normal grassroots youth football. And I'm sorry if you do have allowed parents, but the, the child is the one that actually has to be taken out of that team. I know that's really going to wind some people up, um, but the, the sins of the father do need to be addressed by potentially removing the child from, from the football club and denying them that, that opportunity to play. So let's get a clear idea and of the sanctions that are currently available to uh, a referee when he or she faces the kind of abuse that we have heard time and time again. What can they do? It depends where you are. So if you're on a public field, you're down the local park, and you've got a sideline full of parents who are shouting something at you, uh, that is abusive or insulting or offensive, anything like that that you need to to step in for. You can talk to the manager of that football team and say, look, you're responsible for the behavior of your touchline. It's not acceptable at this moment. I need you to talk to them or move them on. And that's literally all you can do in that moment. Now, if the manager fails to control them, as the referee, you can abandon the game. But what you can't do is start showing red cards to parents or anything like that because essentially your authority doesn't cover that as a referee because they're public people on a public piece of land. You can't ask them to leave. So if they want to stand there and shout abuse, other than getting the police involved, um, which some which, which happened this weekend. Someone sent me a, an Instagram post saying that they had to call the police uh, this weekend. Mm. Which, I mean, if that's the way we've got to get, it's a very American way of dealing with things to, to call the police over what is a civil disagreement, really. But if it's threatening behavior, which, you know, I know referees as young as 14, 15, 16 year, years old who are subjected to threatening behavior from, from sidelines, I think at that point, get the police involved. That's what needs to happen. But if it's if it's an adult and you're an adult, it's adults football. Maybe getting the police involved is a bit overkill. Well, I just it feels like we're at a point, a tipping point, and whereby just weeks into the season, this is already a massive problem, and it feels like drastic measures need to be taken. Like kind of being a bit softly, softly about this. Clearly, Ant has not worked, has it? No, I absolutely agree. Uh, youth football especially seems out of control. Um, I, I give you my own lived experience. Last season, uh, I was kicked deliberately by a 13-year-old player. As I'd blown my whistle for half-time, uh, I bent down to pick up the ball, and as he was passing me, he lashed out and kicked me. I showed that player the red card in, in line with the laws of the game, as, as I should. He acted in a, a violent way to me. And his manager came over and said to me, what have you sent him off for? What? I said, did, did you not see <laughs> What? He kicked me. He kicked me. I said, yeah, I saw that, but that's never a red card. What? Now, if that is the attitude, 
that we as referees have to deal with, then I, I, I absolutely What, what did he think was game. a red card, like rolling a tank on and taking you out with a bazooka or something? I mean, what in what world is this coach? Like, if, if that was... If that was a coach, and I have to say, Gordon and Ian, who coach my son's team, are brilliant. If that coach said that, I said, I don't want my son playing for, or my daughter playing for a football team that has a coach who thinks it's acceptable for a child to kick a referee. I mean... I, well, I was absolutely speechless. I, I wow. did not know what to say at that point. Well, how far into the game was this end? This was half-time. So I'd blown my whistle right. half-time. Um, the players were making their way off the field. One had passed the ball to me. I'd stopped it, trapped it, bent over to pick it up. And as he was passing me, he, he lashed out. He kicked, he kicked my arm that I was picking the ball up with. And um, he'd already been cautioned in that game. Again, 13 years old, he's getting cautioned for dissent. So I'd sin-binned him during that game because he'd verbally lashed out at me in the game as well. So maybe, you know, we do have to look at the, the coaches and the, the standard of people that we are getting to coach our uh, our youth uh, in, mm, in football. Yeah, quite. Yeah, we've we've had an opposition coach offer out one of our coaches before. Yeah, offer him out, and uh, mad, mad. It's like it's kids' football. It's not a Champions League final or relegation fight. It's just kids playing football. Well, I remember playing in the 1990s uh, when, when I was playing youth football and I never thought I must win this game at all costs, whether it was a league game, a cup game, a final, whatever. I always thought I'm just having a kickabout with my mates uh, at the weekend. It, it seems now that the coaches and the kids have this win at all costs mentality. And even at under sevens, the East Manchester team that has been expelled, the, the coaches clearly have crossed the line because their desire to win has outstripped everything. Their ethics, their morality, their their anger, their frustration doesn't matter. They just want to win the game at mm -hmm. any cost. And yeah. there's no checks and balances. You know, youth yeah. coaches and managers are insulated from feedback. They get their qualifications. They start managing a team. There's no, as far as I'm aware, no formal review process to see, oh, actually, are you a suitable person to be coaching a youth football team? Yeah. We, we need maybe better checks and balances. Well, quite. Uh, Ant, good to speak to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, Hal. Cheers. Ant Canavan there, who is host of Referees, the final whistle podcast and director of the refereeforum.com.